Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. If human beings can conceive such beauty, how much more has God conceived and put in motion? And when we get to heaven, we're just going to be blown away. Whatever man can fascinate, God is like that's the that's not even reaching the lowest limp, the lowest level of what God can do. I mean, his beauty, just you're going to be blown away. We're all going to be amazed. We're we're not going to we're not going to fall down at his feet because of fear. When we see him, we're going to fall down at his feet because of his beauty, because he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. We're going to be completely captivated. If you've ever seen somebody, maybe you thought of your husband when you first met him, you were captivated by him. I know you're not anymore, but you were. (laughs) Your wife that you're still captivated by when you when you saw that person, when you when you met that person and saw something made your heart beat faster. I'm telling you, when we see him, our heart will be racing because we will be so in awe of his beauty and his love and his power that is so controlled. He he controls his power. He doesn't lash out in anger. He has the power to destroy the universe in an instant. But instead, he saves it over thousands of years. He has the power to obliterate and erase all human history. But instead, he takes it and reshapes it and molds it and makes your past into something that can help you in your future. What a what what a God. What a God. In Revelation chapter three, Jesus says something as I talk about his beauty. We see some of his correction, too, in the Bible. And we we should be receptive to his correction because his affection, coupled with his correction, will produce his direction for your life, his affection, which is above and beyond what you could even ever imagine, the love and affection he has for you. When you receive his affection and receive his correction, some people just want to receive his affection and they end up becoming soft and not able to grow because they don't receive his correction. Others just receive his correction and then they're harsh and they use anger and self-righteousness and they condescend towards others who aren't as holy as them. But that's why God doesn't want us to just receive his affection only, but his affection with his correction leads to his direction. And in Revelation chapter three, he's making a little correction here for the people of God. And he says, (laughs) because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And yet you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Aren't you inspired? (laughs) 
He says, I advise you and I counsel you. He's, what is he talking about here? People that think they have it, but they really don't. When we think we have it all, we don't. Nobody has it all. Nobody has it all figured out. Nobody's 100 percent right, except Jesus. You and I are not 100 percent right. We're becoming more illuminated and enlightened as we continue to grow and understand God's word by his spirit and by the spirit of his love. But nobody has it all figured out. And boy, as soon as you know that, I want to just dispel the myth that there are people on social media that look like they have it all together. I got news for you. They don't. Nobody has it all together. Everybody is screwed up in some ways. Everybody except Jesus. Mm. He says, you guys are saying I'm rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. Boy, wealth can go to your head. Success can go to your head. But he says, listen, you think this, but I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire. That's real riches, he says, and that you may become truly rich, he says, and white garments that you may be clothed. Everybody say clothed. He says that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So he says three things here. He says that you would be that you would have my gold refined by fire. That's a superior gold to whatever gold you can find in the earth. This is the gold. Jesus gold. His wealth is above and beyond human human wealth. It's not limited to money. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's it's wealth that money can't buy. That's his gold refined by fire. That's a life refined by trials and tribulations. That's a life. That's when our life we let his fire purge out our impurities. Let him uh, let him prune our branches because he's the vine and we're the branches. Amen. And let him prune you. Let him let him correct and transform and trust him. He's remolding you. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this a long time and he is the best. And he says so that you may be rich, that you may be clothed and that you may see. And I want to zero in on this middle part where he says that you may be clothed, that you may be clothed because my the title for my message today is put your clothes on. But not physical clothes, although please do, you know, we don't we don't care how you come dressed to church. We just care that you come dressed to church. There are three things in the Bible that God tells us to wear three sets of clothing. I want to share those three sets of clothing with you. The first one is 
in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. He's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. So the first thing that we need to wear in this life is the clothing of righteousness. We're to be we're to, we're to be clothed. We're to be clothed with righteousness. Now, it's not that God ever makes you more righteous than you are when you're born again. But we can come into a greater awareness of righteousness, a greater awareness of what it actually is. Most people think righteousness means right doing, doing the right thing. But righteousness does not mean doing what's right. That's different. That is a good thing to do what's right. But that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness is the ability to stand before God without shame and inferiority and without without any form of fear because you are in right standing with God. He we weren't in right standing. Adam and Eve were in right standing. And then they they believed a lie about their father and they were deceived by the enemy and they lost their clothing of righteousness. And God had to put God had to have them kill an animal to wear the skins of animals because fig leaves can't cover you. You have to be blood has to be shed. Once sin was committed, blood had to be shed a life for a life, a soul for a soul. There has to be blood shed to cleanse and wash mankind of his of his and her sins. And that's what righteousness is. It's a gift that we can wear and we need to wear it. And he says we're to be wrapped in this clothing of righteousness, be clothed in righteousness. Uh, see, nobody goes to nobody goes to work without first being clothed. Nobody goes to the gym without first being clothed with gym clothes. Nobody goes nobody goes to the moon without being clothed with astronaut clothes. In other words, it doesn't it wouldn't make sense to any of us to go and like if you were in a war, if you were a, uh, in, in the military and you had to go fight for your country, you wouldn't go without the proper clothing. You wouldn't go without the proper armor. You wouldn't go without the proper weapons. Yet so many Christians try to face life without being properly clothed. And you cannot face this world and you cannot face this life successfully and victoriously without understanding what it means to be clothed with righteousness, clothed with righteousness. Now, listen, we can go through so many verses, but you understand righteousness is the gift of right standing with God. Listen, here's if you want to know if you want the cliff notes to what righteousness is, righteousness is the gift of right standing with God. You are made justified. You're made right with God, peace with God. You're at peace with him. Righteousness is the gift of right standing with God, royalty in God and reigning through God. It's right standing with him, royalty in him and reigning with him and reigning in him with him. Just as the Bible says in Romans chapter five, verse 17, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign 
in life through the one Jesus Christ. We don't reign in life because we're holy enough. We don't reign in life because we're godly enough. We don't reign in life because we're smart enough. We reign in life because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. If it's a gift, you cannot earn it. If it's a gift, you cannot deserve it. If it's a gift, you cannot pay for it. It's the gift of righteousness. God gives us this gift to be in right standing with him, to be in royalty in him and to be reigning with him. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places and we are reigning with him. Training for reigning. That's what we do here. We started that during covid and every day I get on social media and say today's the next day of training for reigning. We're learning how to reign in life. We're learning how to use our righteousness as the gift that it is. We're learning how to conquer condemnation. The Bible calls righteousness our our breastplate. Why? Because it's the protector of our heart. Why does our heart need protection? Because our heart is so susceptible to guilt. Our heart is so susceptible to condemnation. Our heart is so susceptible to shame. Our heart is so susceptible to inferiority and to being broken. And that's why the Bible says put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, righteousness, this gift must be the thing that you use to protect your heart from condemnation because the devil is constantly accusing you. The Bible says day and night, day and night, he's accusing you day and night. You're hearing thoughts in first person, mind you, because the devil doesn't speak in third person. He doesn't say, hey, this is the devil. You're a loser. He speaks with your voice in your head. I'm a loser. Listen. Second Corinthians 521, he who knew no sin, this this is Jesus, he made him the father made the son who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. Jesus didn't just take sin on the cross. He became it. This is why God turned his face away from Jesus on the cross, because Jesus became our sin for us so that we might become. He became so we would become. He became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in him, right standing with him, royalty in him and reigning with him. This has nothing to do with what you can earn or deserve. Your righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. That's why he gives us his righteousness through the blood of Jesus. And Jesus gives us a hint about this righteousness and how powerful it is in Matthew, chapter five, verse 20, when he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, my God, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not even enter into heaven. Well, the the Pharisees lived righteously, but they believed they became that through their good works. They believed they became that through their following the religious moral code of conduct. And there are 
Christians and there are people in this world that think they are better than others. And that is what the Pharisees thought. And that's why Jesus said your righteousness better surpass theirs, because theirs is the highest form of self-righteousness. So your righteousness has to surpass self-righteousness. How does it do that? By being his righteousness. That's why when you're throwing out judgment towards anybody, I think we we we've, we've believed a lie about gossip. We Christians think gossip is we think it's only gossip when we think it's only gossip when it's true. Well, it's true. Or we don't think it's gossip if it's true. We're like, oh, if it's true, if that person really did that, then we can talk about them because it's not gossip. It's only gossip if it's false. No, it's not only gossip if it's false. It's gossip because you're talking about somebody outside of their presence and you're not giving them the right to counter what you're saying about them. And we and first of all, who made you the judge of those people who made us the judge of anybody? Judge not. The Bible says judge not lest you be judged. Why would why do we think that we can look down? The only time we should ever look down at somebody is when we're bending over to help them up. Jesus is so against self-righteousness that this is what angered him more than anything, because he was bringing his blood. If you can do it through your goodness and through your holiness and through your works, then what was his blood for? His blood was not necessary if you could get righteous by your own power. But you can't because one little one little feather of of sin and uh, and self disqualifies you from being righteous. That's why God doesn't deal in portions. He gives you the whole thing. Fully righteous in his eyes, fully given the gift of righteousness, fully given a seat with him, fully given the power to rule over demons and devils and fear and worry and anxiety. We have to we have to be clothed with his righteousness. We have we can't get it. We can't get more righteous, but we can use the clothing better. We can wrap it around our thinking. We can wrap it around our mind. We can think about it more. We can realize it more. We can speak forth it more. In first uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse six, it says for the, for righteousness is spoken. We speak it. We declare it. We declare it. The righteousness of God speaks. It's this is verse says in Romans chapter 10, verse six, for the righteousness based on faith speaks. It speaks. What does it say? It says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the deep and bring Christ up from the dead. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes. Look at what he says. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. He's not talking about confessing your sins. He's talking about confessing Jesus as Lord, meaning it's not OK. Is Jesus Lord of every area of your life? 
because the lordship of Jesus is a process. But some people say you can't be saved until he is Lord of everything in your life. I got news for you. If we look hard enough, we'll find something he's not Lord of in your life and in my life. We'll find something that Jesus isn't involved in in our lives. So we got to erase this belief that somehow declaring Jesus as Lord somehow means that we've surrendered every aspect of our lives to him. I love the idea of surrendering every aspect of our lives to him, but nobody is telling the truth when they say I've surrendered all. Nobody can truly say that except Jesus, because we haven't surrendered all. So we deceive ourselves into thinking we're so holy, we've done this, we've surrendered all. Well, what I gave up as a sinner to accept Jesus, what did I give up? I gave up being depressed and suicidal. I gave up being broken and empty. I gave up being without love and without affection, the affection that only God could give me. That's what I gave up. I gave up nothing. I gave up only bad things. And I'm not even talking about bad habits. I'm talking about I gave up being lonely anymore. I gave up being empty anymore. I gave up being depressed and suicidal anymore. Those are the things I gave up. Why? Because he gave me a reason to live. He gave me life. He gave me hope. He gave me love. He's given me everything. But when we say Jesus is Lord, that simply means we're agreeing with the father because the father said Jesus is Lord. And we're simply confessing it and agreeing and saying, yep, Jesus. Yep. Jesus is Lord. That's right. Jesus is Lord. That's right. For with the heart, man believes resulting in righteousness. I believe Jesus became sin for me, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So. We have to see we're confessing Jesus is Lord because the father said he's Lord. We're simply coming into agreement with the father. Righteousness cannot be obtained. It was paid for in the blood of Jesus and given to you. Now wear it, wear it. Somebody say amen to that. Put on Ephesians 6:14 says put on the breastplate of righteousness. But in the God's word translation, it says put on the breastplate of God's approval. What is righteousness? It's having God's approval. God's approval. God's word translation says, put on the breastplate of God's approval. God's approval is your breastplate. And when do you get God's approval? The moment you accept Jesus, you have God's approval because whatever Jesus is, is what now God sees you as. So because Jesus earned God's approval or received God's approval by being his son, we get to have that same gift of approval. It's a gift and we got to wear it as protection on our heart. It is a gift that has been given to us, but we have to wear it like a weapon. We put on the breastplate of God's approval in John, Chapter five, verse 41. Jesus says, I am not interested in crowd approval. Why was he not interested in glory for men? One translation says, the translation I'm reading it from. I'm not interested in crowd approval. Why did he say that? Because he had God's approval. He didn't go after the social media's approval. Everybody's looking for approval in this world. You know that, right? When you get your approval from God, you no longer need 
or are interested in crowd in crowd approval. It doesn't matter to me if people approve of my posts about Jesus or about life. It doesn't matter to me if they approve of it. If they receive it, it'll help their life. But I don't care if they approve of me because I have God's approval and I'm putting and I'm I'm protecting my heart by God's approval as my breastplate. In the New Living Translation, Jesus says to the Pharisees, your approval means nothing to me. Your approval means nothing to me. We have to step into our clothing, the clothes of righteousness, be clothed with this beautiful gift, this breastplate, this armor called righteousness. We have to realize it's a weapon and it protects us. And it's the only thing that will protect our heart from condemnation and accusations of the devil, because in many times when the devil accuses you, he's kind of right. Oh, you did this. You said that you did that. You're right. You know, but that's I'm not wearing the breastplate of my approval of myself. I'm wearing the breastplate of God's approval of me. And therefore, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I've done right and has nothing to do with what I've done wrong. In the Amplified, it says in verse 41, I do not receive glory and approval from men. How can you believe in me when you are seeking glory and approval from one another? And yet you do not seek the glory and approval which comes from the one and only God. This is this is the condition of the world we're living in right now. People that are receiving and giving approval of one another and not getting their approval, which comes from the one and only God. So number one, we must remember that in Christ we are clothed with righteousness. Number one, put your clothes on, be clothed with righteousness. Number two, be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Luke, Chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says, behold, after his resurrection, behold, I am sending forth the promise of my father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Oh, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. How dare we think that we can live this life in the power of our own ability or the power of our flesh? He says, don't go anywhere. You stay right there. Stay in the city. I'm sending you out to the world, but you don't dare go out until you are clothed properly. What am I supposed to be clothed with, Lord? Well, number one, you're supposed to be clothed with righteousness. That's the gift that comes from salvation. Number two, you're to be clothed with power from on high. What is that power? It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You cannot try to attack life and attack this world and attack. I don't mean attacking people, but you cannot attack life. You cannot go forward. You cannot be what God created you to be without power from on high. I'm so lost in God's power from on high. I'm lost in the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues and it doesn't matter what it sounds like to me. It doesn't matter what it feels like to me. I just know it's part of 
of this 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 movement of power on the inside of me from the day that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's different than salvation. Salvation gives us the gift of righteousness, the assurance that we're going to heaven. But the the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the clothing to lay hands on the sick and to see them be healed. It gives us the clothing to cast out demons. It gives us the clothing to pray with authority. It gives us the clothing to face demons and make the devil tremble. It gives us it clothes us with authority. You see, we're living in our own power until we put the clothes of the Holy Spirit on and get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's different than being baptized in water. Being baptized in water means being immersed in water. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit means being immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's not only in you, but he's on you. This this is power, folks. This is power from on high. This is not this is not power that man can give to man that women can give to man, that man can give to women. This is power from on high. This isn't power from hell below. It's power from on high. Jesus said, do not go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't try to fulfill your assignment until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't try to go and preach the gospel around the world until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't try to lay hands on the sick and see him recover until you're clothed with power from on high. Don't try to face life. Don't try to face demons. Don't try to face darkness until you're clothed with power from on high. Because once you have that power, No devil in hell can stop you. Once you have that power, you can pray and things are going to happen. Once you have that power, you have the boldness to talk about Jesus without being ashamed. To talk about Jesus with power and not just words. Your your words will come out of your mouth, but the power will flow through them. When you say something, It won't be intellect to intellect. When you say something, it will be the power that you've been clothed with that's working through your words. And as you speak words of scripture and encouragement and Jesus and talk about him and speak his name, there's literally power that flows through those words when you're clothed with power from on high in Acts chapter one, Jesus said, John baptized with water in verse five, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And they, they, the disciples started talking about, well, when's the end going to come in verse seven? And they said, well, Lord, is, is, is this the time you're restoring? And Jesus said to them in verse seven, hey, stop it. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the father has fixed by his own authority. Stop focusing on just knowing things. Instead, get the power. He says it's not for you to know there's certain things we all live in. Most people are just living in what they know rather than living in the power. Knowledge is not knowledge is not where the fullness of power is. The Holy Spirit is where the fullness of power is there. They think by knowing things that somehow that will change the world. But knowing things 
doesn't change the world. He said it's not for you to know all these things and these times and timelines and when's Jesus going to come back. And and people spend all this money on buying books about the Jesus return of Jesus. We know he's coming and we, we know he hasn't come yet, but we know he's coming. That's it. That's the end of the story. Well, can you tell me about the last days? Yeah, we're living in them and, and could come any day. We get we hear people start, you know, pontificating. Well, the Bible says in Daniel, if you put Daniel together with Revelation and you come out with Galatians and maybe then after a thousand years, Jesus will come and then you will see his power. One day he will split and then you'll see. And I tell you this, it shall come by 1998 and it will come by 2008 and then 2008 comes and nothing happens. We got to stop worrying about all that other stuff and be clothed with power. Man, if you are if you are baptized, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. But when this service ends, you instead of exiting, you should be running up to the altar and tell one of these prayer partners, pray for me. I've got to get that power from on high. Jesus said, hey, don't focus on all that. Look at what he says. Instead, verse eight, you shall receive power. Instead of all your facts and figures, let me give you something better. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth. As Joseph was talking about earlier, our heart for the house is all about taking the gospel from Jerusalem, which is where we are. Like we're not in Jerusalem, but you understand the the point he's making is you have a starting point and then you you keep spreading the gospel further and further. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth. He said there's only one way to do this. There's only one way to evangelize the world, and that is through power of the Holy Spirit and to be baptized in his spirit. And by the way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit really is the baptism of love, because when you have the Holy Spirit, the most important thing that he does for you is he awakens you to the love of God. He gives you a heavenly language called praying in tongues. But the greatest thing he gives you is an awakening to the love of God. And it says that day came in chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Boy, if we can get everybody in one accord, in one place, one mind, one place. And stop being divided and stop letting stuff divide us. Don't let people divide you. Don't let politics divide you. We're united. The cluster, the anointing is in the cluster. It's not in one grape. Everybody being the same thing. It's everybody being different, but being connected in the essentials. Let there be unity in the non essentials. Let there be liberty. But in all things, but in all things, let there be charity, which is love. In the essentials, let there be unity. Jesus is savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. That's the essentials in the essentials. Let there be unity in the non essentials. Let there be liberty. Some people may think it's okay to drink wine. Others might think that it's not. Some people may think it's okay to vote Democrat. Others may think it's okay to vote Republican. Let's be unified rather than saying only one side is right. I know what you're saying. Some of you are like, but only one side is right. 
That's why you have me to help you be bigger than that. It's small thinking. It's small thinking to think one side is right. There's some bad stuff in every bit of politics. There may be some things that you should be looking for. What's the most biblical approach to something? That's what you should look for. What is going to help the most people? What is going to. But but at the end of the day, remember the, the, the governments that these people lived under were ruthless, tyrannical governments, and they believed the promises of God in those terrible times. So no matter what, whether you you're elect, the guy you're electing or the girl you're electing or not electing, whether they whether they win or not is irrelevant to whether God's promises work or not. If we think that somebody being picked is somehow going to change the world, we're missing what really will change the world because you can pass all sorts of laws. But until the heart is changed, nobody is going to follow that law. It's my opinion. You know, we, we let's agree. Let's let's have unity on the essentials. Jesus rose from the dead, not Jesus was a Democrat, not Jesus was a Republican. Jesus is independent, I think. He's above that. We come down here and vote, but we come back up there and live from here. Mm. Some of you still don't like that. Okay, that's all right. I'm not seeking crowd approval. Amen. Jesus said, by the way, the third thing that we need to be clothed with. Is something that is not new to us because we've been talking about it for several weeks, but we need to be clothed with humility. This is the one. In first Peter, chapter five, verse five, he says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility. You know, the first pieces of clothing are clothes that God gives us. He gives us the clothing of righteousness, He gives us the clothing of power. He puts righteousness in us, He puts power on us, but we must put humility on us. He clothes us with righteousness. He clothes us with power. But we must clothe ourselves with humility. Nobody can do your humbling for you. Hey, would you go over there and humble yourself on my behalf? No, it doesn't work that way. You have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to take correction. You have to be willing to know that you have weaknesses and blind spots. We all have them. He says, clothe yourselves with humility and notice what he says toward one another. Do not dare say I'm humble before the Lord, but not before people. If you are not humble to one another, if you don't clothe yourself with humility towards one another, you're missing the whole point because How can we say we humble ourselves before God if we can't humble ourselves before one another? The Bible says, how can we say we love God who we don't see if we don't love our brothers who we do see? 
clothing yourself with humility is to Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. When somebody comes across harsh, Jesus isn't in that. When somebody comes across condescending, judgmental, Jesus isn't in that. He said, I'm gentle and humble. You'll find rest. If something's not producing rest, it's probably not filled with God's grace. It's probably filled with legalism and judgmentalism. And you know what? We all could really use some humility. A lot more of it in this world would do a lot of good and a lot more of it among Christians would do the most good. And sadly, so many Christians, they judge and look down at others and we think, oh, they, that person, they're committing the bad sins. Mine are minor sins, but theirs are the big ones. I'm not I'm not doing the big ones. That's because you don't want to spend your life in jail. It's not because it's not because you're so good. You, you would like if you could get away with killing some people, you probably would. Because <laughs> Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're already committing murder in your heart. Man, when will we get this? If we just humble, just be kind, be sweet, be we can reach the world so much faster if we have kindness on our tongue. Man. Wow, I could just stay on that point. Only by pride comes contention, Proverbs says. What does God require of thee? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly before and with your God, Micah six, eight. Come on, let's stand together. Humility is dependence on God. The gift of righteousness. Humility is to trust God. Humility is to. Take correction. Take the affection so that you can absorb the correction. That's really how how it is. I noticed when I was raising my kids, when I showered them with affection, it was much easier to bring them correction. But when there wasn't affection, it was hard to bring correction because there's no trust when there's no affection. God showers us with affection so that we so that we don't condemn ourselves when we need correction and we don't make excuses and try to justify ourselves because we don't like how that feels. If I need correction, that must mean that somebody saw my flaws. Maybe that's a good thing for somebody to see your flaws because you have them. And so do I. It's okay. Humility is not having it all together. It's being able to be at peace with yourself and with others when they don't have it all together and when you don't have it all together and when you give people room and space for grace. Give people room to fail, give people room to fall, give give yourself room to be right and give yourself room to be wrong because you because you, we all have a combination of both of those things.
Wow. God help us. Amen. Amen. Let's say this together. Say in the name of Jesus, I receive Jesus Christ and his gift of righteousness. I receive the Holy Spirit and his gift of power. And I clothe myself with humility, dependence on God and honoring one another and being humble towards one another. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, especially the first part about believing that Jesus died for your sins, let one of us know up here or let one of our team members know so we can give you this free book, The Power of a New Life. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, like we spoke of, come to the altar. One of our prayer team members will pray for you and believe with you. And I have a chapter in this book. It's free. Your gift, my gift to you. If you don't have this yet, Um, the power of the Holy Spirit is one of the chapters in here. So get that as well. If you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Um, the rest of you, you're dismissed. Go Bears, go whatever team, whatever other team you're for. I'm for you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a beautiful day.